Today is May 21st, 2017, and this is Worlds of Books. Uh, today we're discussing the book Moneyball, and it's got a an extended title after it, but all I can remember is Moneyball right now by Michael Lewis. I'm going to tell a little bit about Michael Lewis. Uh, he was born October 15th. Uh, 1960 in New Orleans. Uh, he, let's see. His dad was a corporate lawyer and mother a community activist. Uh, he received uh, a BA degree in art history from Princeton in 1982. He received a, an MA in economics from the London School of Economics in 1985. And he worked as a bond salesman at Salomon Brothers in London before quitting to write Liar's Poker. Uh, And some of his books that he's had, uh, Liar's Poker, Rising Through the Wreckage of Wall Street, 1989, uh, The Money Culture, 1991, The New, New Thing, A Silicon Valley Story, 1997. Is that right? Yeah, 1997. I, I'm sure he probably had something between 91 and 97, but I didn't write it down. Uh, let's see. Next, The Future Just Happened, 2001. Moneyball, what we're discussing today, The Art of Winning an Unfair Game, 2003. Uh, Coach, Lessons on the Game of Life, 2005. The Blind Side, Evolution of a Game, 2006. Panic, The Story of Modern Financial Insanity, 2009. Boomerang, Travels in the New Third World, 2011. Flash Boys, A Wall Street Revoke, 2014. And his latest book's called The Undoing Project, a Friendship, a, a friendship that changed our mind. 2016. Uh, this December, De- December of 2016. So, uh, I, you know, and, and since I've got the key, I'm just going to go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, Moneyball. Since there's only uh, there's there's only you know a handful of us here, so you know I'm sure we'll finish up early. But uh, uh, I, I, obviously, a lot of folks. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're scared off by this book probably because they'll say they're they're not athletes, and I, and I really think they're missing out because Michael Lewis. I mean, you don't have to be a big sports fan or anything to appreciate this book. Michael Lewis is an excellent writer, in my opinion, and I, and, and the thing I liked best about this book what wasn't so much any of the stats that they quoted was the fact that that this guy decided that he was going to approach baseball. Uh, just like I think we all all approach things in life, we don't necessarily need to just take the status quo way of looking at things when we're dealing with an issue. We we need to keep our minds working all the time, try to come at them from a different direction, and that's what I liked about this book because uh, this Billy Bean guy uh, 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 apparently was a great athlete himself, but. Uh, uh, he, he knew. I mean, uh, you know, he he really did not want to play professional baseball, even though he apparently he had all the tools and the talent and stuff. But uh, he he decided that he liked the 
the, the thinking part of the game better than the athletic part of the game and started looking at different statistics that w- weren't commonly looked at and weren't available and stuff. And so uh, uh, that, that, that's what I'm saying. That, that was what I really enjoyed about the book because it, it was a uh, – Michael Lewis did such a good job of bringing out uh, the, the thinking side of things, using your intellect to, to deal with the problem. And in this case, it was baseball because, I mean, I mean baseball has got a lot of uh, – obviously, it's, you know, maybe not quite as complicated as chess might be, but it's got a lot of different ins and outs you have to consider to, to being successful at it. And this guy, Billy Bean, decided to look at stuff that wasn't normally looked he, he didn't really care what a ball player looked like. He was more interested in uh, – I mean, the biggest thing he seemed to be interested in was on base percentage. And uh, if that was through walks, he didn't care. He just wanted to get the guys on base because that ultimately he determined that's what led to runs and stuff. So uh, uh, that that was the thing I enjoyed most about it. that and the fact that uh, Lewis did a good job of drilling down to certain characters that were on the club, uh, uh, particularly particularly that, that overweight catcher that played at Alabama. I can't even remember his name. And then the other guy was uh, I get Chad Bradford. I think was was from my neck of the woods from Byron, Mississippi. Was that pitcher that threw the ball like so so far sideways that uh, he almost touched the ground? But uh, I really enjoyed the way uh, Michael Lewis got into those aspects of the game, and, and I thought he kept it interesting. It, 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 he didn't bore us with a, with a lot of a lot of statistics. It was enough. I mean, he, he looked at the, uh, the the parts of the organization that that made Oakland successful that 2002 season, and went about giving us a. A good narrative, uh, and, and looked at some of the personalities uh, that were involved in the process, and I, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. So I, I'm going to release the mic now and let let some some other folks talk. Well, you you did it well, Mr. Chairman, on this one. Um, I, I commend Mickey. I understand Mickey chose this book, and it's sad that people heard the name, and if there was they thought it was just a sports book, how many home runs did the guy hit, and so forth. And it, it really, I read this or started it, uh, whenever he wrote it, 2002 or three. I'm, I guess I'm getting dumber, but, it, but I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I didn't hold my attention. And thanks to you guys, I reread it again. And Michael Lewis read it. And, um, it's incredible. Absolutely. You, if you just go up there and hack at every pitch, you're cutting your percentages way down. I, I mean, I just didn't think the pitcher ball one gives the batter tremendous options. I mean, I knew it a little bit, but Hattie Berg really impressed me. Overweight catcher. He had ligament damage. He could never catch again. And the way Billy Bean and Paul DePodesta, his alter ego, um, got him, was it New Year's Day or something? Um, Colorado, uh, he, he didn't want to go to Colorado and, Finally, they, he agreed. They told his agent to talk to uh, Billy Bean. And then when they signed him, Billy said, congratulations, you're our new first baseman. First base? And he had to learn how to play first base to prepare. And uh, just incredible. Bradford was great, too, the submarine pitcher. Absolutely. Um, how do you replace Jason Giambi, a hitting machine? They traded him. The Yankees got him. He signed with the Yankees. This was free agency. And Jason chose to go to the Yankees. His brother came up, Jeremy, but they finally sent him to the Phillies, I think. Um, and so Billy didn't sit around. And uh, they, it's just amazing how he, he practically fired his scouts, 
cigar smoking fat guys who would just go around and look at players and so on. Do oh, he's not hitting? I think that I'll stop with this example. Billy um, the Hatterberg went like one for four. And the general manager, Billy Bean, said, great bats, um, Scott. Really good. You did a great job. He goes, no, I only got one hit. That's okay. It's what you did also. I mean, a strike, you think, well, you missed it. But he, he Hattieberg said, if I couldn't do anything with a strike, I'd rather, sw- uh, I'd rather take a strike. I just would rather strike out. If I can't help the team with a strike by just hitting a ground, you could argue there'd be errors. And one more thing that impressed me. Guys who never made errors, Billy Bean pointed out, and De Podesta, um, they're the guy, many of them, many of them never could get to the ball. If you don't get to the ball, you don't make an error, but your team might be hit for three runs, you know, because you didn't get to the ball, you know. So Hattieberg was my favorite. Thank you. I'd like to say hi, Joni. Hi, Mickey. Hi, Bob. Hi, Alan. Hi, David. Well, if I missed anybody... Hi everybody. I was I was really kind of debating whether I should come in or not. I started reading the book. I didn't understand anything about it. But I figured how can I miss worlds of books? So here I am. Hello everybody. I started reading it. I got sort of through the preface. It, it was it was interesting, but I didn't understand it, so I went on to other things. But I came. Well, Johnny, we're so glad you came. And if you missed what I said, I'll just repeat it again just for your benefit. That the biggest takeaway, in my opinion, from this book is, you know, never mind if you don't know anything about baseball or anything like that. In the end, this general manager named Billy Bean of the Oakland Athletics decided he was going to look at baseball a lot differently than it had always been looked at. And he used his brain and started looking at statistics, a lot of which weren't, weren't even available at the time. He started uh, uh, getting them available and, and getting other people to, to produce them and or producing them themselves and looking at what he decided was an important stuff to look at rather than how good a baseball player looked or whether they were able to knock the ball out of the park consistently and things like that. He started looking at things like on-base percentage uh, uh, you know, and logical kind of stuff. And, 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 and obviously he was looking at the right stuff because he, he took one of the teams with one of the lowest uh, budgets in all of baseball and, and finished near the top of the heap in 2002. So uh, uh, that, that, that's the big takeaway in my opinion. So I'll let other people talk. Well, I, I want to just say one more thing. I know David, I want to hear David and Mickey. This book could be expanded to life probabilities. Yes, some say risk takers are the ones that succeed. But the risk taker who doesn't look at probabilities may go bankrupt a few times like our president did. He's a success, though. He got up and kept going. But I, the average man doesn't want to go bankrupt five times. But probabilities, analysis, you don't need to know about baseball. You don't need to know about insurance, but you better research it if you're going to buy insurance or save for retirement better than probably most of us did. But uh, that's what I got out of it. I expanded it to life. And uh, I, I remember vividly when my brother was in Legion Ball. He was an average player, good hustle. And there was a runner at third, and he went to right field, a high fly. And the right fielder caught it, and they, the run came in. And the coach said, see, 
He drove a run in. See that guy? He didn't just try to hit, slam the ball through. He sacrificed him home. And that's what life's all about. That we, we Sometimes all of us are just may think we're second raters, but the guys that succeed are the guys that just find different ways to get it done. Thank you. I found that to be good, too, Bob. Um, what I really, the only chapter I really didn't get into was the, the uh, administrative. Um, I love baseball, but I don't care what uh, Bud Selig is up to because um, I can't control that. Um, I did enjoy the, um, the things I can apply, and I'm finding this year that the Milwaukee Brewers are um, having every player be able to handle all positions. They may have specialties, but they've got to be put where they're needed. And that's one of the things I got out of this book, and I've got to be put where I'm needed. Well, exactly. And, and, and like Bob, I enjoyed the the, the, the part about Scott Hattenberg. Is that that right? That I thought that that was just really interesting and stuff. Because, uh, 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 and, and I also enjoyed some of the maybe not so much the admin stuff, but man, you, you, you never see how much wheeling and dealing goes on by these GMs when they're when they're when they're trading these guys and stuff. And Billy Bean, he he must have been like like the consummate. Uh, uh, wheeler dealer because he knew how to work these guys and he'd have like two or three things going and and on one deal that was like predicated on another deal and and i I just thought that was fascinating and how much of of that 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 we never see goes into the process because uh uh and and he didn't i mean he 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 didn't make any personal attachments to these guys i mean once they got expensive you know he he got rid of them and got whatever maximum price he could he could get for them and then started going out looking for the deals again. So uh, 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 that's the way you got to do it when you're working on a on a shoestring budget and stuff. I, you know, I say shoestring. I, it was still several million dollars, but but comparatively speaking. Let's see what David has to say. Good afternoon. I was more in the camp of Joni only because I don't understand the mechanics of baseball. I regret that. Of all the sports, I always thought baseball is quintessentially American. Unfortunately, it did get tarnished during the um, was it steroid scandals um, in the 90s or early 2000s. Anyway, I wanted to say that Previous to this book, I'd read or started reading one called Flash Boys, and it lost me. Sometimes, Lewis, though a very excellent writer, I'm jealous actually, is writing about such a um, narrow kind of field that sometimes it's hard. You don't know what you don't know. And I remember reading Liar's Poker and loving it and being thinking, God, you're 28 or 29 and you've written a bestseller. And you've already made more money than your father ever did, his lawyer father. And I kept thinking that, you know, writing is such an innate skill. And so I will try to finish this book. I do want to um, express the agreement that risk-taking without educated, um, you know, without educate, educated backing or knowledge is, is, is just seems chancy. Uh, Alan mentioned the. I believe it was Alan who mentioned the. Our president has done that, or maybe Bob did, and I understand, and agree with that. I will add, he 
came from very lucrative circumstances, which put him at the head of the line, but he didn't stand still. We lost you there, David, right at the end. Uh, I was saying he, our president also had the potential or has the ability to make elaborate interconnected deals. I'm not sure how one does that, if one even can learn that or if that's a basic skill. What fascinated me the most reading any book by Michael Lewis is the fact, how do you go from art history to economics and then to creative nonfiction? I think his own story is as interesting as anything he would write about and do it from New Orleans, Louisiana, though he obviously comes from upper middle class, very educated parents. I will say that as well. Yeah, um, and, and Michael Lewis obviously has a good brain because uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like you, David. That, that, that is, is his educational background is kind of interesting. Going from art, art history, I, I I don't even know why anybody ever takes art history. I mean, obviously, if you if you like art, you take art history, I guess. But uh, it, it doesn't seem like a like a study a study course that that's preparing you to go out and and, and make a living and stuff. But uh, hey. This guy obviously has his ducks in a row because uh, uh, he obviously understands all that. I mean, he wrote that book, The Big Short, which we discussed last year. And uh, 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 those mortgage-backed securities are some of the most complicated stuff in all of finance, and he obviously understood all that stuff. So uh, uh, I'm continually impressed with with Lewis, and, and then he does a good job of putting it into – and he's got a writing style that I just that I like reading because it's just it's 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 easy to read I think and it's uh, uh, if you can, if you can get past the topic and understand it he puts it in a way that makes it interesting and stuff so I, I'm I'm very impressed with the man. I wish somebody like Lewis, the equivalent of Lewis, or somebody like researcher Martin Degard, who, who's a bit different. He, he's best known for his collaborations with the questionable, apparently, according to media today, questionable Bill O'Reilly um, in the Killing series that Bill O'Reilly does. Anyway, one of these people, I could wish, would turn their scope on you know the history of blind people. We've had our two organizations each write their own history, which are both worth reading, although you always have to remember they're the organization writing its official history. It's like an autobiography, and an autobiography is not always completely objective, though it may try to be. My suggestion here is a writer of Lewis's caliber could explain or answer the questions I've always had, are how much better off are blind people today? I know we are, but why have our um, employment statistics not changed? And I understand Spain's are very good. Why? You know, in other words, I'm using Michael Lewis as a tangent, and I probably shouldn't, but we don't have many people today, to suggest that a researcher of his caliber might want to look at an area very few sighted people look at, and that is, you know, what blind people live our world in other words it's why i wrote the book i just wrote by the way not because i did anything spectacular climbing a mountain or anything but because i wanted to add my voice to the literature of blind people well it, i was going to talk about deep podesta for a moment but i'll only throw this in i don't think that we can keep up number one with the technology and although attitudes towards blind people are improving, they're not there yet. You know, you still got to argue about making something accessible that might cost a half a cent on the item for everybody, like we do with the deaf with captioning or things that help them. Uh, and um, with the two major organizations are agreeing a little bit more now. That's nice. Uh, but when they one says one thing and the, the other says the other, 
it's very confusing. Okay, you could argue that with the Democrats and Republicans. So I, I think when um, we can keep up with technology, major changes are made in an office or whatever, and we're getting better at improving attitudes. But we're not there yet by a long shot. Access, probably I won't see it in my lifetime. I hope 100 years from now, everything is accessible. That's just it. It's our world, too, and it just may happen. I think they're trying, uh, and uh, we gotta, I've got to try to be patient. It's hard. Dee Podesta, I went to the Dodgers, as I recall. I'm not sure as the GM, general manager, but he didn't make it well with the Dodgers. He and Billy Bean um, do better, did better together. The beliefs, because they're really out of the box with regard to baseball. The Yankees spend money. They they see a ball player. They're doing better also, though, developing their farm system. The Cubs and the Brewers now, um, we want athletes. They can play every position, or many of them. And Chris Bryant of the Cubs plays third base, right field, left field. You know, all these guys move them around. If you're a good athlete, you should learn these positions. And uh, that's they're, they're adjusting to... And my wife tells me, adjust to the 21st century. Things are done now in the organizations of the blind. And I, I, oh my gosh. But they're running it, the new leadership, the torch has been passed, and let it happen. Let's hope it's, success is achieved. Well, I think that, um, I think that um, attitudes are very slow to change. And you have a lot of people that have never met or seen or known a blind person. And maybe you're the first blind person that they've ever seen or met or had anything to do with. And it's a constant teaching thing. And I think employers are being schooled maybe better than they were at one point. Um, but you have a lot of people that just think that, still think that we're contagious, that we're going to, if they touch us, they're going to become blind. And their old underlying attitudes, but they're still there. And it's our business to let them know that we're capable, that we can be, that many of us, an awful lot of us, are totally independent. And um, well, we have to do a lot of teaching. We've always had to, we'll still have to, have to probably till the day we die. This is very off topic, but on the other hand, um, we can't, I, I, very few people would put, pick up a book on blindness. They don't care. They don't want to hear about it because they're not ever going to be blind. And if they are, they'll figure it out. But a lot of people are more impressed by meeting Joni walking down the street or or Bob doing something, you know, fantastic, or just, just normal than they think we're, we're all so great because we've, we're doing these things independently. And it's, it's like race relations. You're not going to force people into, into um, different ideas. It just can't be done. But, and now back to maybe baseball. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to stay on the same topic, and I agree with Mickey. I, I think 
the problem that we're always going to be dealing with is is the problem of the human condition. I think people tend to to stick with like like kinds. They they cluster with people that are like them that 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 are socioeconomically like them that are the same color as they are, uh, the same uh, 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 from from the same. Uh, ethnic line that they are, uh, on and on it goes. And so uh, uh, this thing about empathy and trying to understand folks that are different is something we're always going to be trying to get people to do. So uh, uh, I'm afraid that is what it is, and uh, we're we're always going to be faced with that because it's not not a natural thing for people to do on their own, doesn't seem like. I think it's gotten better. But I, th- I think the the people that are in these other little smaller groups and stuff are always going to need to be, uh, you know, having a voice and trying to get people to to uh, 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 you know to, to 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 understand them because I I just don't think people do it naturally. So uh, yeah, that's my opinion. But uh, I, th- I think that's part of the issue, whether it's race or uh, uh, disability or, or whatever. There, there's always something that, that 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 causes folks to be different and uh, get left out. Let me let me wrap up my comment by following up on something um, Alan just said that I agree uh, with him and wanted to add that I would add to what Nikki said in that I think a lot of sighted people are afraid of blindness, so they don't want to deal with something they are afraid of, and maybe they think in the future medicine will prevent it completely, and we may get to a time where that can happen. I only brought it up because I applauded Michael Lewis's writing style, and that's the kind of person we would need who was rich enough not to care if the book was a bestseller, to write it anyway, to maybe become a mid-list book or a reference book. And I agree with Bob, the two organizations are doing better now, but it it can't be easy for those sighted people who are interested to see organizations who don't agree, who, who have almost, you know, who can't agree on it. My last comment is, personally, I used to love to read books written by blind people about how they made it. I thought that if I did, I would pick up ideas that would help me make it. While these books were always interesting, there were too many factors, geographical, maybe the person had a, had a spouse who was, had a connection or could see or whatever. There were too many other circumstances that I couldn't duplicate. So I think sometimes you have to figure out success as hard as it can be for yourself and to realize, as I did not, that your whole life you're going to be educating people. I genuinely thought by this time in my life I wouldn't have to do that anymore. Okay, I'll only make one sentence comment then get back to baseball, which I do love very much. Um, We've held employment symposiums, all kinds of things. And uh, guess who were there? Guys like us, the pioneers who battled it out, who fought through discrimination, who did it. Where are the students? Young people were there. They're on social media. They're sitting at home or going to the beach. I did some of that, too. I didn't want to sit down with these old stodgy blind people from the schools for the blind. I mean, I was going to get a job, but boy, did I learn. And I finally grew up and got involved. But uh, anyway, that's a long sentence. Um, Billy Bean um, did not win championships. He's still the general manager, I believe, of the A's. Uh, The other team started catching up. They found the computer, too. And uh, his method uh, is, I think, very, very popular today. You know, really examine... um, the players of potential of getting on base. What do I want from this guy? It took three people to replace 
Jason Giambi, the great first baseman they had that they lost to the Yankees three. But he said, I'll get him, you know, and pitchers. I don't know how he found that. They talked about a squat, a left-handed pitcher sitting out in the bullpen, Rincon, and he was good. He could, he could really pitch. And the Bradford story was incredible, the, the submarine. And I liked it that Michael told their story and how they did face failure. And uh, I know when Hattiburg was with the Red Sox, the coaches, the coach put him out in front of everybody and criticized him. He said, this guy's a loser. Why? Because he didn't hit a, a beautiful strike there. He could have done it. And he, he said, I didn't think it was a beautiful. I took it because I didn't want to hit into a double play. And, and all, you know, and they really ridiculed him. And the best thing that happened was when he left Boston. But Boston's attitude was traditional. Hit home runs. We want to see, the fans want to see big hits. Not a fly ball that may drive in a run. You know, they, they don't want that. And uh, a guy saying, yeah, I, um, you know, I struck out because I didn't like that third pitch. I, I couldn't hit anywhere with it. And the guy who, and, and um, Billy Bean would cheer him if he walked. Got a base on balls. You got on base. You know, the funniest one was when Hatterberg wanted to meet Don Mattingly, former manager of the Dodgers, great Yankee first baseman. And he hit a double. And he goes halfway between first and second. And he says, but I'll never see meet Mattingly again. He's on first base. He's going to retire. And he went back. He went back to first base. And, the, and, and Mattingly, of course, is playing the game, a great competitor, and said, Hey, Rook, second base is that way. What's the matter with you, Rook? Is your, are your brakes broken? You know, he wasn't pleasant. He didn't say, oh, it's nice to meet you, you know. And Hatterberg said, I don't care. I met Mattingly. And then he they scored him on a big hit. He scored anyway. But he was kind of a man with his own mind, and you took it or, or, or didn't. Bob, I was wondering, can this Billy Bean approach work with other sports? Do you know, has it been tried with football or basketball? Is it Does it work better with the skill set that you need for baseball? I, I don't recall seeing any of that in the book, whether this approach was transferred to other types of competition. Well, I would, I would say that Bill Belichick of New England, if you look at the roster, they're, they're not Brady, yes, of course, but they're not big names. These are guys that were... You'd say, oh, my gosh, the other team cut him, and Belichick made him a star. You know, Chris Long, who's now leaving, he, he was with the Rams for nine years. You never heard of him. He was good. He went with New England, and he became great for a year. But now they're, now he can make big money, and he's moving on. So I, I would rate Belichick uh, from New England as one of the coaches uh, who does it his way. He doesn't care. He, he can take a third-string, a second-string quarterback, Garofalo, and Brady gets hurt because Garofalo can fit in his system. And that's what that's what Billy Bean would say. If you play within my system, if you stop being a hot dog, as the, as the baseball players say, and just settle in and look at that pitcher and say, how can I help my team? What is the best way? Um, that's the kind of guy Billy Bean likes and, and Bill Belichick. And, of course, you have others like you know Steve Kerr and these guys. But uh, Belichick, to me, is probably the best coach in football history. I rate him very high. And I don't like New England, but they're good. Mike McCarthy does exactly the same thing with the Packers. He he puts people where they're needed, not necessarily where they came to play. If he needs somebody, um, you know, he's he's got his backups, but if his backups are in, injured, he has to find a way to play the game anyway. And I, I think this is just standard. And I, I believe the same thing happens in basketball where... 
if your center is out for some reason, they have someone else who's willing to play center, and you might lose a couple inches in height, but you might gain something else. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the key. It, it, it's always, it's always having a mindset that says, you know, I, I don't have to think about things the way it's always been done, and uh, I, I don't know how that would end up translating into into to, to success and stuff. But I think that's the key. You just don't always accept things like they always are. And, and I realize, you know, you, you got to follow the statistical trends and stuff to to an extent. But I'll always be open-minded and 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 willing to 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 try things to you know to to experiment and, and make sure you're considering things from 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 any possible perspective and stuff. So I mean, it, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's really not easy when you're when it's not easy a to to come up with the kind of mind that makes you uh, smart enough to, to to look at things differently, but. I think the bigger, biggest hurdle a lot of times is is trying to get past the peer group and stuff because they can be relentless. When you start trying to approach things differently, like in this example in the books and stuff, he, you know, looking at these ball players that people thought, oh, well, this guy's this guy's fat. He he doesn't have the body for of a baseball player. Uh, drafting him in the first round, how, how idiotic is that? But uh, 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 th- th- that peer group per- pressure can be the worst of all a lot of times. And we have a lot of peer group peer group pressure among the blind if you want to try something just mention it to a bunch of blind people and watch how they'll try and talk you out of it and you're so right vicky both of you were in our in our state group the battle in the state group is no longer dogs versus canes that was my day when i came in if you had a dog you hated the cane user if you had a cane you hated the dog user hey but we're all there together you know but now, guess what? What it is? Technology versus those who don't use technology. Okay, you, you think? Well, every blind guy uses technology. We do. I use a slate. I have a computer, but a slate and stylus technically is simple technology. But we just got to stop dividing. We've got to stop judging each other. We got to embrace each other and say, "You're here for the battle," you know. But we don't. We yeah, at least the state. I can tell you the state group. I don't know the national as much. I'm not, even when I go, I can't. I know technology is vital, but but my my problem is or probably old school is do I want to learn a new iPhone or a new Braille note? Guess what? We have a we're stripping the apex. It's gone. It's gonna it won't be made anymore. You're gonna have to use the Braille note touch if you want to. Oh, how long does it take? Maybe high curve six months. I don't know if I want to spend that time for my life doing it. So I'll hang on to my apex as long as I can. And then maybe go back to the Slate and Stylus or a Braille writer. Well, Bob, I am now president of the Wisconsin State Chapter of Wisconsin of uh, ACB, and I think you're very right on the. And I'm I'm pushing having low tech and high tech, and I want to set up a a time before meetings where someone can come and ask questions about their technology and maybe someone else can help them out. They're doing that in Ohio, and people are really going for it. Um, I am going to build this chapter if it is the last thing I do. Congratulations, Mickey, first on that election. As a 
past president of the Acadiana Area Council of the Blind, which is part of Louisiana's, and a former secretary. I know the work. It's a lot of keeping track of people and work. I don't know if you would have been at 2014's Vegas National. I I wish I had thought to check with you because I went, though I had very mixed feelings about it and probably never go to another one. But I do stay active at the local level. And Bob's right. Everything's too divided, and he's also right. How much technology do you want to keep relearning? I have a HIMSS U2 Mini right now. It's it's not as easy to type on as a Braille light was. It does a little bit more. Of course, the company just came out with an Android-based Polaris, so I think the Mini is going to be sort of treated like a stepchild. I don't advise anyone to buy a note-taker. You can get a Braille keyboard-type thing like a Braille pen and compare, combine it with an iPhone. But these things have huge learning curves, and the worst part is you have to figure out where to even and go to get training. It's not like you can just run into the regular library. They don't know what to do with you. Well, um, with blind people, the, the, the jealousy factor, how about when the blind guy went on Jeopardy and there were so many people that said, oh, how come he got on Je-? I mean, there was so much jealousy. It was like he was good. He really was good. And they haven't let any blind people be on Jeopardy since then, and they should. But um, I thought the guy was good, and a lot of people were very jealous. Yeah, we all have to work on that. Mickey, I'm very proud of you. I'm going to take that up to the top. I'm the president of the council in California. is very good, very receptive. A low-tech workshop. Absolutely. Talk about things like new Braille writers, new whatever. What do you use? You know, low-tech. I like that. I, I mean, all you hear around our convention is clicking. Well, what are you doing? I'm clicking to my friend two rows ahead of me. He's clicking back at me with his iPhone. That Let's talk to each other. What, what is this clicking business? And I use an iPhone, and I re- refuse at dinner to be clicking back and forth to people. I won't do it. I, I like people too much. I want to talk to them. But uh, anyway, yeah, we'll we'll get there, you know, and we're in many ways are no different than anyone else. We find some reason to divide. It seems like it's easier. But uh, I remember well when the Badger Association, when I came into the council, was both really vibrant. I'm glad Mickey's up there now, president. It was one of the top affiliates in the country, period. And California was there, too. And we're losing members all over the place. We've got to try harder, I guess. Joni, I do have an apology when you mentioned Jeopardy. I was 18 shades of green jealous of that guy, Ed Tamanis. I was emerald, cucumber, avocado, kelly, grass, leaf, and every other green you could think of because I have always wanted to do that. I think since age 13 to get on a trivia show, and I tried. I've taken the on the phone at least five times. I've been called back to live audition at least four times. I live auditioned twice in Orlando and Charlotte and just couldn't quite do it. And I don't, the sad thing that would annoy me is I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I think the buzzer is hard to time. He obviously was very good at that. Personally, his attitude struck me, though, as arrogant. I may be jealous. I know that may be blocking my ability to be objective, and I try not to be jealous, but oh, God. And then he went on, who wants to be a millionaire? I tried to get on that but and didn't pass the test, and people have always told me I was good at trivia, so either I'm not nearly as good as I think, I get stupid when I test, or he is incredible, and I, I don't really know, but he struck me as arrogant, and I was sorry. I hope I'm wrong. 
he's a, a news reporter. He's been successful all his life. His father was very there for him. He takes him to all the sports games and describes them to him. He's obviously smart, has had some very, very fortunate breaks in life because you never get there alone. Obama was right about that, though maybe he thought some people got more help than they did. But I'll end by saying you know, that that was something I was jealous of. And, oh, Mickey, if you'd like to talk to or if you want me to, to hook you up with the Louisiana Council for the Other Blind President, she's our local chapter treasurer. She's young, she's new, and she's all gung-ho. I'd be happy to. Oh, that's terrific. This has changed, uh, gotten many ways here. And I just want to say uh, uh, part of it, I hate to tell you, it's with, it's with life. One time we were having, when I was council president in the CCB, we were doing a commercial where um, we wanted a pretty girl, you know, to do, I don't know what she was doing, walking through a store. And this lady that I know and love said, I'll do it. And the producer said, no, we want so-and-so. Why? Why? And he said, she's more photogenic. She'll look better on TV. And I, I, God, I didn't know what to say. And the girl, the lady I know, really got mad, but... Sometimes that's what it is. I thought I couldn't see Eddie Tamanis. I thought he was great. I know he was criticized because he didn't use his cane to go up to the mic that Alex Trebek took his arm. I don't care about that. I, I don't. I didn't hear the arrogance, but I wasn't listening to. It. I was so excited for him. I wanted him to win everything. He didn't win in the championship thing, but <laughs> I certainly know I couldn't. So, okay, let's see if we get a book here sometime. Yeah, and I, I'll just end by saying, I guess in response to what Johnny said, I'm, I'm not sure we want anybody to be letting any blind people be on Jeopardy and stuff. We want folks to earn the right to, to be on Jeopardy, regardless of where they come from in life. And, you know, if, if they're good enough to get on there, regardless of what, what their situation is life, uh, uh, more power to them and stuff. Uh, and also... I'll just say, you know, we always need to be open-minded and realize that, that regardless of what your group is, whether it's a blind or, or, or it's a racial group or whatever, we're always going to have different ways of doing stuff. So we just need to be accepting and realize just because we like to do stuff a certain way doesn't mean it's the only way to do it and just uh, realize it not, may not be for somebody else. So uh, uh, I, I think that will serve everybody well in life. And so I'm going to let Mickey uh tell us what our book is for next month and uh we've got we've got one picked out for for june and for july so uh uh go mickey go well good because i wanted to say something anyway and i don't mean to to jump on you uh david but there isn't a person around who doesn't do something better than i do so I am not jealous of anyone because I don't know what's going on in that person's life. I, I'm not jealous of someone who can see better. I really am not jealous. Every person in the world has a physical handicap. Whether it's visible or not isn't, isn't a problem, but everyone's got one. And you can spin your wheels and, and have a lot of um, problem with jealousy, but it only slows you down. Now, I'm hoping you're going to agree with the selection I chose. Um, if you've both read it, I don't know what we'll do, but I think we need to read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. And the reason I think we need to read it is because 
people are talking about big government and why we don't need it, and I think this is an excellent idea of what big government is, can be, why we need it. Um, and the and, and uh, we decided to do that in June because in, in July we'll do um, a dog's purpose by um, uh, huh, W. Bruce Cameron. Yet another W. Bruce Cameron book. And uh, I'm open to comments, and I'm sure so is Alan. Yeah, the DB numbers feature those. The jungle is DB09498. So it's been out there for a while. And, and well, that's, almost, that's almost a, a, a classic. We could probably do that for the fall classic on DB Review. But I've never read it either. Mickey recommended it, and I thought, yeah, let, let's go with it. I need to read that. And then uh, the dog's purpose is db seven. Two two one eight. I think you've made excellent suge- uh, suggestions. I wanted to read a dog's purpose. My wife read it, and Upton Sinclair. Yes, if uh, I taught Hel- California history, and, uh, he was most interesting. And I, I, I must confess, I never read The Jungle, and I, I majored in history. I just never got to it. So I'm delighted. Two great books. I thought you were going to do Lord of the Rings. You were asking about narrators. I, oh my goodness. I'm glad that you chose the jungle. I read it many years ago in Braille. It was 15 volumes, and it was it was wonderful. It was it was heart wrenching. It was it was awful, and it was good. And uh, um, yeah, Dog's Purpose is still on the bestseller list, so that's one thing. But but Jungle, everybody should read it. It really. He did such a super job. I loved it. I have also read it. I read it at the behest of a high school economics, I'm sorry, a high school home ec teacher of all people, I guess, dealing with food. And I've never forgot. It was creepy. It was so sad. The poverty in it is unrelenting. And Mickey does make an excellent point government, at least in some areas, is very needed because states can get very, like, what's good for me and not for you. In other words, I don't think we would have had integration if the states had had to run it, the southern states especially had had to run it, and even maybe some of the northern ones. So I think sometimes you do need a controlled big government. Yeah, Bob, I'm reading Lord of the Rings for my own personal personal reading and stuff. So, yeah, I was, I was glad to get the comments. On the thing, because Norman Bars does a, does a good job. Uh, he mispronounces Sam Gamgee's name, but other than that, uh, I think he's he's going to be a good narrator. I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it. So uh, I'm going to turn off my recording here and uh, thank y'all so much for coming. I, I thought we had a real good discussion. Uh, uh, Michael Lewis is one of those guys. You just uh, uh, if you can get a group that, that that's interested in the topic, it's it's better attended. But uh, but but he's just one of those guys. I, I think you'll you'll get something out of his books, even if even if the the, the main topic at hand is, is not that great, just the way he, he approaches things. But I appreciate everybody's attendance and your comments and stuff. And I thought I thought we had a great discussion. So thanks a lot.